This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You know, for the believer, I think the greatest joy they could have is to be accepted by the Father. Be accepted by God. And, and I say that because, you know, we are going to be speaking about some things this, this evening. But I say that because I think that in everything that we go through, in every trial and every temptation and every test, every care, you know, regardless uh, a sin that you've committed, something that has been committed against you, and all things, when it comes down to it, it's you and God. You in the presence of God saying, you know, God, what about this? And no greater joy than a child can have to know, I'm accepted. I can draw near. I'm not rejected. You know, regardless of how other people you may, may, you know, may view you, may think of you, may say of you, at the very end of the day, I think the only thing that the believer wants is to be accepted by him. It's like, can you, you know, it's just like you talk about the Samaritan woman this morning in her, in her, uh, in her um, episode of restoration, she just found acceptance by him, and that's all she needed. That changed her life, you know. And I think that's where a lot of times, us as believers, we look to other things until to, we want to be accepted or we want to be viewed a certain way. And God is like, "How do I see you? How do, how do I, you know, regardless of what you show or how how well you clean up with others?" God is like, but I know you. I see you. And all I want you to do is come to me the way you are. And when you come to me the way you are, I'm going to do the work. See, very end of the day, that's all the believer wants. That's all the believer. Because anything other, then that's that lust working, and that, 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 that lust in operation working. Not love. It's not love. It's, it's that you have a different agenda. And you're Christian, you, and you may have never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You have, may have never accepted Christ the way you think you've accepted Christ, because when you're trying to show some for, for something that sh, that it's not, let's say, that it's truly not you, you know, then you have to ask yourself, you know, is this is this real? But God knows. So Matthew chapter 26, we're going to speak of, and this is this is birth. It's so interesting, though. You know, we're given a certain time in, in New Year's. And, and even in studying, I find it a hard time, hard time studying for just a short time. It, it becomes a whole message. You know, what you're actually studying for just a small portion. You know, I, 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 I laugh because, you know, you know, there's certain people, you know, that uh, when they do their notes, they're just, they're gone with their notes. And it's because that's how God is ministering to them. You know, but it's not, you know, you may tell them you got 5, 10, 15 minutes and they got like 5, 6, 7, 8 pages of notes because that's how God has ministered to them. And, and to me, that's how exactly, you know, you, you say you got this a lot of time and all of a sudden it's like, well, I got all sorts of notes. But, you know, this is where I'm going to go off. We talked about um, wall building in the new year. That's what we're, re- we're referring to. You know, what God has placed in our heart about wall building for the new year, in the new year. And one thing that I'm going to spring forth from New Year's was uh, you, have, you must have and maintain the proper commitment. Not just a commitment, 
but the proper commitment. And uh, because you're going to see that it's possible to have some sort of commitment, but not the proper commitment. And and that's where and, and only you and God know who where, where your commitment lies. And the thing about it is, what are you going to do? Because it's so interesting this morning that uh, I was talking to Minister Martin how he dealt with. Uh, I look at it as uh, the other side of the coin. You know, he dealt with your attitude in restoration. And I'm going to deal with partially the responsibility of the one that needs to be restored. Because he has a responsibility. It's not just you have, we as those that need to do the restoring, it's just all them. And, you know, everybody has to have a certain attitude towards me. And, you know, everybody has to view me a certain way. Everybody has to accept me a certain way. And the restore, the one that needs to be restored real doesn't realize that there, there's a certain like for example the faith that you must walk in to be a restorer they must walk in the same faith to be restored they must have the same acts of faith they must have the same works of faith in their restoration process or they're not sincere they're not they're, they, so it's like you might say well, well it's not about no one taking advantage of you know when a person is sincere after a while after you see their works, you see what they're willing to do, you see their commitment. You know, I think of it this way, you know, I, uh, I, I start thinking of the, the you know, because for example, we talked about who is the brethren? Because he came out of Galatians about, uh, and, and when he's speaking about the brothers, when you see a brother overtaken in the fall, you that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, you know, considering yourself. And I thought about the people that were here this morning, here this morning, that really need to be restored. They need to be restored, but their act of faith was just coming to hear. Just coming to hear. So you know what? I really need restoration. Their act of faith is just saying, I'm going to make myself, because this is it. You know, we said, what is needed? When, do you, when is the time for restoration? Remember what it was said this morning? When was the time of restoration? And that was, that, that, that was, and I, I don't want to misquote him, but the time of restoration is when we have access to those people. And then when we have what they need. But the time of restoration for the restorer is when they have made themselves accessible. Do you understand? It's not just, it's not necessarily, okay, oh, who, have, who do we have access? They have to make, we as those that need to be restored must make ourselves accessible. That word accessible is very interesting. And we're going to get to it. It's easy Easy, and I want to I want to read that definition because it's very interesting how it's a, it's easy to approach, easy to reach, easy to enter, inter- easy to speak with, and easy to use. They must they must be those people that they're easy to approach. You know, a person that is not, for example, a person that is in the wrong, they know they're in the wrong. They know that they, nobody has to tell them that they failed in their commitment. No one has to tell them that. They understand that. They know where they're at. They see a believer knows when they have missed the mark. So no one has to tell them, you know, especially if they're, if they're a place where they know they need to be restored. God has already dealt with them. God has already spoken to them. See, and once again, they have to be a person that's easy to approach. You know, just making it hard. Easy to approach, that means they have to be here so we can approach them. See, that's when you know this person is looking for restoration. The thing about commitment, the greatest thing, and I remember, if you remember on Sunday evening, 
I talked about Pastor and his commitment, how reflecting on Pastor and reflecting on his life, and the thing I saw was his, his excellence of commitment. But his excellence of commitment was seeing that he did not quit. He wouldn't stop. You know, and everything that he went through, everything that he did, he just continued to go. Regardless of what came against him in ministry, the people that came, the people that went, the people that got offended with him, the pe- even through the mistakes that he, he may have made himself, like, you know, I should have never did that. You know, regardless of what it was, you never heard him st- stop from ministering the Word of God. He got up every Sunday. Even when, even when he was not here because of a season of his sickness, even through those times, he had his hands on ministry. He was assignments. He was making sure this was done, making sure that was done. He, was, he had his hands on it. He would not stop. Because that was his, that was his, that was his affection. See, the thing is, we have to deal with our affection when it comes down to fulfilling our commitment. So, let's go to Matthew chapter 26. I want to start with someone, and, we, and it's Peter, but always remember this when we go to Matthew 26. It's much easier to leave a commitment. It's much easier to leave. It's much easier to get a divorce than to fight. It's much easier to stop what you're doing. It's much easier to quit a job than to make sure you fulfill your obligation. It's much easier to stop doing things than to continue going. It's interesting. It's much easier to stop the process just to continue in the process. So this is not about stopping any commitment. Even when you fail in commitment, you have no right to stop. Because the process is not done yet. See, and that's what you've got to understand. I don't care where you're at in life. God is not through with you. And that's what we have to understand in our, in, in, as, as we build walls. We have to understand, even when we, when we deal with those that need to be restored, is that, God, you're not done with me. So, I am going to continue to go. See, ministry is not for those. And, and, I, and I say that because Church of the Living Water is a ministry. It's a ministry of leaders. Really what you see is a ministry of, being, of leaders being prepared. That's what you see. You see people coming in, but really, when you come down to it, you have people that know how to have, to, how to have a service. And I'm not talking about just regular church. I'm talking about how to have service. How to serve God. How to worship God. How to come before Him with proper attitudes. How to actually prepare for things, they have. You, that's what you. That's what you're being prepared for. So we have a ministry of leaders, and the thing about it, we don't need people quitting. Because see, no one. And the, and the thing about it, just like for example, the restorer has a responsibility. You have a responsibility that other people, not just that you don't quit, but that other people don't quit. So how concerned are you for your brother? Really, that, that, I believe that concern is going to be birthed in this. How concerned are you about your own commitment? Because when you're concerned about your own commitment, then you're, then you're truly concerned the way your bro- where, how your brother and where your brother is headed. So Matthew chapter 26, let's deal with this, this episode. Let's see where I'm going to start because I don't want to read it. This is, once again, this is when the, the disciples and Jesus gathered the disciples for what we call the Last Supper. 
And uh, at the very end, after he told him that somebody was going to betray him, and uh, they inquired of who was going to betray him, in verse 31, Then Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you unto Galilee. But Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three times, thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. All of them said it. Not just Peter. He said, you know, all the disciples said, we're going to die for you. We understand. We're going to continue reading. Uh, I want you to go to John 21. But we understand in that episode as we continue reading that it's interesting that after they came to him uh, to betray him, after Judas brought the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the, the religious leaders to Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that they all scattered. But Peter, it's interesting that the Bible says that Peter followed afar off. He followed the Lord to, his, to the place of judgment, to the place where they were going to examine him. And he saw. And that's where, he was, there where his commitment was exposed. Who he really was. And in John chapter 21, and we're going to go there too. Let me read that. John chapter 21. And this is what I want to pick up. This is the episode where Jesus, after he was risen from the dead, he uh, revealed himself. He was uh, showed, showed himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And this is where Peter. It's interesting how the Bible says that Peter says, "I'm going to fishing." He knew he had denied the Lord, and in the thing about it, the Scripture says that he went and way and wept bitterly. Because he understood where he was. He understood exactly. It's like God has showed him, this is where your commitment lies. This is where you are at right now. Even though you wanted to do all this and you had the show, you had the talk, you said this. And it's so interesting how all of them said the same thing. So I will ask you this. Did these disciples have, did they have not, did they, how could I say it? Was there not some type of commitment in their life? In these disciples. Remember, these disciples are the one that says, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then you have no life in you. you and he says, and he turned around and said, well, are you going to be offended with this also? Are you going to leave? And they continued following him. These are the disciples that, 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 that even in all that they did, they continue to follow. Peter said it this way. He said at one episode, he said, Lord, we've forsaken all to follow thee. He said, you know, they, they continued with him. Even at the very end, he says, you are those that have continued with me in my temptation. So they had some type of commitment. But their commitment was not where God wanted it to be. See, and that's where I want you to understand. As you, as you look at your life, as we look at the life of the one that needs to be restored, it's this. Because Peter found himself in a place, as we read John, 20, uh, uh, John 21, let's verse, start at verse 15. So this is when he finally addresses Peter right after supper. And when they had dined, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Pilate said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? 
because it's interesting how he was he was brought out to be made an example because that's exactly what happened with Peter. I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to make you an example because even though all of them had said it, every one of them fled. Peter was made an example of not keeping his, his commitment and he was going to show them this is why you weren't able to commit your commitment, keep that commitment. And he told him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than me? Do you got me? Will you be able to lay down your life for me the way you said? Would you die for me? And he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee, said, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. And, and I know I've mentioned this in the past, but I, after, after reading over a gentleman, it's interesting how the Bible talks about how he used these words love and he used them in a different sense. He said, Peter, will you lay down your life for me? Will you agape me the way you said you're going to lay down your life for me? And he said, Lord, I, I am very fond of you. I'm fond of you. I phileo you. I love you like a friend. Peter understood, I'm not there. I understand where I'm at. And I've been exposed from where I'm at. And then he asked him again, Peter, will you, do you agape me? Will you love me enough to lay down your life for me? It's interesting how God does not stop convicting you. Or not stop, does not stop exposing you in, in, to the point where He's going to bring you to a place where He wants you. He's always, it's interesting that the areas that God deals with us, He just continues and continues and continues. And says, because that is not perfect. And, and regardless of where, where you say you are, God is still dealing with that which is perfect. And then He says this, Okay, Peter, I will come to you and say, I will start with you right here. He says, do you love me like a friend? Are you fond of me? And the Bible says that Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know where I am at. And he said, and, and it's interesting, after every episode, every time he asked him, he said, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. He said, because my purpose doesn't stop. You can't quit. I don't care where you're at. You cannot stop in the process. God has said, I don't expect you to quit. And the thing about it, God knew he wasn't going to quit. How do I know that? Because he told Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He said, but I prayed for you. He said, and after you're restored, what did he tell him? Go and restore your brother. Because Peter was at a place where he needed to be restored. Because he didn't keep that commitment. And the thing about it is, I will tell you this, we're all at a place where our commitment can be perfected. Where you say, you know what? I need to be committed. I need to be... See, the thing about it, have you quit in that perfection? Have you quit where it says, I don't, want, I don't need... You know, I'm, I'm sad. I'm going to be honest with you. My commitment needs to be perfected. Because it's not where God wants it to be. And you're going to see somewhere, someone where, where you're going to say, well, man, that is a perfect commitment. But he had certain, this brother had certain things in order to make his commitment perfect. And there are certain things that must be in line in our life in order to make our commitment perfect before God. And the thing is, I want you to remember this, the goal that I made mention that night. The goal for the believer in the kingdom of God was to lay down your life for King Jesus. That's the goal for the believer. The goal is total commitment. 
to the Lord Jesus Christ and His purpose. So we agree to that, right? That's the goal. Total commitment. And I made mention that these brothers, they had a, sin, they had a form of commitment, but it was not the commitment that the Lord asked them. And you may think, I would say this, you may say, well, I'm satisfied with my commitment, then you're not seeking God. Because when you ask God, God is always showing you the area that's like, that is not what I am pleased with. And I will tell you this much, it's interesting for me to understand, it's interesting for me just to, to see that God does not give up on you. He's like, no. It's like, I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you see. For the, for the, it, it's interesting because remember we're talking about the one that needs to be restored. It doesn't matter for the one that needs to be restored. It doesn't matter for them when it comes down to quitting. What people, how people view them. What people may say about them. How people may treat them. Because once again, you, may, you, you heard this morning, okay, it's better for you to just to bow out. So and when you know that you don't have that attitude of kindness. But I guarantee you that the enemy is going to make sure that people that do not have that attitude will approach a person that, doesn't, that needs to be restored. And what, are that pers- what is that person going to do that needs to be restored? They have to keep their eyes on Jesus. Because not everybody is going to see it that way. Not everybody is going to view them in the proper way. But what are they here for? See... There, that's, what I, that's what I started with. I told you this. I said, for the believer, all they want is this. To be accepted by God. To be accepted and know, I'm on your side. And if I'm on your side, you just keep on going. You keep on going. You put up. See, the thing about it, for the one that needs to be restored, the one that needs to be restored, got to understand the correction that's coming their way. The one that needs to be restored has to understand that they can't stop, regardless of the correction that comes. Because Peter had an opportunity to quit. Remember, he went back fishing. He went back to that was familiar with him. He had an opportunity to say, I'm not going to follow anymore. But after all of those things that Jesus said to him, he goes, follow me. And all he had to do was continue going in the same direction that Jesus was going. That's all he needed to do. See, so I will tell you this. It doesn't matter when it comes down to who is on your side and who is not on your side. God is on your side. As it pertains to restoring you. Think about the Samaritan woman. She went out at that place. Even in her own country, she was out there by herself. Even among her own people, the people that were rejected just like her by the Jews, she was out there by herself and she goes... You know, give me this water so that I won't have to come out here and draw. Because she was ashamed even among her own people. Remember that. Among her own people, this lady was ashamed. So all she needed was to know, my God is on my side. I have a God that's on my side. When he said, I am he. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's going to come. That's all she needed. And she went and did exactly what. She went out and testified of her Lord. But he changed her life. See, for the restorer, that's all you need to concern yourself about. Is that, is my God on my side? And He is on your side. I want you to go... Let's, there's important things. So I would say this. It's important as... I think Peter was at a place where he had to reevaluate your, his commitment. It's, in, it's interesting that just the definition for reevaluate. It's to determine, to judge and determine the significance, the worth, 
and the quality of. To reevaluate something it means this. I have to judge and determine the significance. Judge and determine the worth. And judge and determine the quality of. It's interesting how I must judge and determine the significance of my commitment. What is the significance of my commitment? The significance is the meaning of your commitment. The end, the purpose of your commitment. It's so interesting how Peter, you see, because remember, this is all about seeking and saving the lost for Christ Jesus. But it's always about, about seeking and saving the lost. Every time God did something in the scriptures to build, it was all about his purpose. All about his purpose. Let's think about Moses. And we're going to go to a passage of scripture so you can see that. But in the life of Moses, let me find that passage of scripture for you. In Exodus chapter 29. But I'm going to start at Exodus 25 and I'm not going to read it. But he talks about the building of the tabernacle. And how they assess the people. And everything that they took up. Every instrument. It's interesting. He took up for the buildings of, that they were going to build. He took up for the things that they were going to need to build. He took up for those that were going to do the service in the building. All the servants. He actually lined everything. And he says, make sure that you do it after the pattern that I showed you. So he showed them all the pattern of what he did. Those how you were going to, how the, not only those that were going to be set apart to serve, but how they were going to serve. And every instrument, every detail he told them. And at the very end of chapter 29, it says this. Chapter 29, verse... Let me get there. I'm sorry. Chapter 29. Exodus 29. We're talking about to judge and determine the significance of my commitment. What does it mean? What's the meaning of it? What's the purpose? What's the end? In Exodus 29, starting at verse 43, it says, And there will I meet... No, let's go to... Yeah. 43. And there will I meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified for my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and I, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Always remember this. The significance of our commitment is only so that God can be known. That's the significance of our commitment. The significance, the meaning, the end purpose. He said, all I want is to be among my people. All I want is to dwell with my people. I want them to know me. I want them to know me as their God. And all that you're doing in this commitment is bringing people to this place. Because that's all God wanted. That was the significance of that building. That was the meaning. That was the meaning, the, 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 the end, the purpose of their commitment. So when we said Peter had to do this, Peter had to reevaluate his commitment. That means he had to determine, he had to judge and determine the significance of it. It's like, what am I committed to? Remember, he said, I'll die for you, but he didn't die for us. And the thing, the beautiful thing about it, he said, Peter, when you were young, you did what you wanted to do, you went where you wanted to go. He said, but when you're old, someone's going to gird you and take you to a place you don't want to go. And this he spoke to him, signifying his death, saying, Peter, you're going to die for me. And I know you're going to die for me. See, that's the thing about God. God knows what you're going to do for him. 
He already knows that. I ask God. You know, sometimes I tell God, I, this is me. God, will I be able to do this? Will I be able to fulfill this? Is this something that I'm going to be... I desire it. I want it. I, but I see my, in, my, my incapabilities. I see the things that I cannot, the things, my failures. I see the, thought, the thoughts that I have. I see all... How can I do this? How, but the thing is, my heart is directed towards Him. Like, but I want you. See, it's not about, Lord, I can do this. With me, it's never been about, Lord, I can do this. I, I, I don't remember a time that, that I said, Lord, I can do this. I remember the times that I said, Lord, I want to do that. I desire to do that. I desire to love you. I don't love you the way I want to love you, the way I believe you, expect me, you want me to love you, but I desire that. I want that. That is my cry before God. Because before God, you see everything that you are. Everything that you are and everything that you're not. You know, everything that you're not, you see it all. And then you say, Ken, are you going to quit? And God has said, but that's not perfect. See, God is trying to perfect things in us, but we cannot stop. We must keep on going. I don't care where you're at in your commitment. You've got to understand, do you desire it? Do you have the right heart? Do you want Him? Will you go after Him? See, that is making yourself accessible. See, God is like, okay, it's not about, once again, it's not about, okay, do we have access to Him only? But we're just looking for those that make themselves accessible. And you can tell that because they're easy to approach. They're easy to approach. They're easy to speak to. They're not... See, there's a difference. Even when they're having a hard time understanding, they do not have the wrong attitude towards you. It's like, you're, they're not... You're, they don't look at you as, no, you're against them. Even when they think, are they for me? They're still going to God saying, God... These are the thoughts that I'm having. But God, how can they not be for me? Do you understand? How can they? Because they examine. They understand. See, we're talking about the heart of the person that needs to be restored. Once again, they have the works of faith. They're operating in faith. Even in their failures, even in the times that they didn't do what they... They're still operating in faith. So, those are the things that you've got to understand... When it comes down to you, your thing is this. Keep your head up and keep on going. Do not stop. Because God is not done. God is not done with you. Let's go to... So one, one of the things is we've stopped. Judge and determine the significance of your commitment. That means the meaning, the end, the purpose of it. But it also talks about judging and determining the worth of your commitment. The worth of your... You must judge and determine... What your commitment is worth? What kind, of, what kind of price are you willing to pay in your commitment? You know, it, it's interesting because these last two, when it comes down to judging to determine the worth of your commitment and judging to determine the quality of your commitment, those to me just go hand in hand. Because what you're willing to pay the price for you want excellence in it. You want quality. If you're going to pay a certain amount, like for example, if you go to a restaurant and you're having to pay a certain, like a high dollar in, for, you know, where you're paying some money, don't tell me that you don't expect some excellence. 
when you're paying for it. Because when you're paying for it, you expect excellence in it. So, me personally, as it pertains to the price that you pay, you should expect excellence. And God is the same way. He's like, I'll give you excellence, I'll show you excellence, but it's all about the price that you're willing to pay. See, we're not... See, a person, once again, a person that needs to be restored, they're not looking for the easy way out. They're not looking just to get by. They're really not. Remember, they're easy to approach. They're easy to speak to. They're easy to use. Interesting. Easy to use. Regardless of where you're at, you should be at a place where you're available to be used in your commitment. Regardless of where you're at. You should be at a place. You may not be as confident as somebody else, but you should be at a place that says, you know, I'm willing to be used. I'm willing to do what you ask me to do. See, one thing about a person that needs to be restored is that they're not, they don't have a problem being accountable to you. They don't. They're, they're not about, I'm trying to keep something from you. They're about, if you ask me, I will share this with you. I will say, I, I will tell you, I will expose. See, the thing about it is, they're willing to expose themselves, but they understand that they have to be those that are watchful. And, that, and, I'm not, and, and it all goes back to, it's interesting. Did you know a person, Mr. Mara may mention to it this morning, that, that, that it, it leaves room for God to work. Kindness. And a kind, it, it's interesting that a person, those that need to be restored... They can see kindness. They understand, you know. And think about, but they seek for it. They seek for kindness. So it's not necessarily how God. It's all the work of God. God is going to work those things out in you, and He's going to put. Think about it. Have you ever been at a place at the right time with the right person? And I mean by this, it's all of a sudden you just. You're in this place, you're with this person, and you say the right thing that you have to say. And that's just God working. So, it's all about, okay God, I'm willing to be the restorer. Show me who needs to be restored. And that's when God works. For all of us. Because, to me, one of the brothers said, we all have a minister. We all have somebody that's going to minister to us. No one's left without a minister. No one is left without somebody ministering to them. You're not by yourself. And that, and that, is, the, that, that is the great thing in the kingdom of God. That even when you want to pull aside and be alone, even when you pull, want to pull aside, and even in those times, you're still crying out to God. And what God is going to do, He's going to put somebody in your path. And that's how good God is. He's always going to put somebody in your path. And even in the, in the, most, in the times that you think, well, this is just not going to happen here, somebody will come. If I look at back at the times when I was the, at my lowest in my life, somebody was there. Somebody was there to do exactly what they needed to do. So God has people in line to do exactly what He wants. So, we're going to get to this. What is needed to establish 
my commitment. What is needed? We want to read. We're going to read quite a few things. I want you to go to First Chronicles. And I gave you the answer earlier. What is needed to establish my commitment? The answer lies in the statement made. What time is what time is it when what it, when it, when do we know it's time to restore when we have access? Well, what is needed in your commitment is to make yourself accessible. When when you need when you needed to be restored, you must make yourself accessible. So let's go to First Chronicles chapter twenty nine. Let's read some things. First Chronicles twenty nine. Let me find out where First Chronicles is. Samuel after Samuel, right, Sarah? After First Kings. After second there he goes. First Chronicles chapter twenty nine. King Day. And you're gonna see the same thing. Remember I told you anytime God is doing something in building there's always a commitment. There's always a very detailed commitment. And I believe David's going to show us uh, the things. And I want to read quite a few scriptures. Let's see. Where do I want to start? We're going to start in First Chronicles chapter 28. Let's start at... I want to read all those. Verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, now thou know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave Solomon his son the pattern of the porch. Listen to this. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner parlors thereof and of the place of the mercy seat and the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the chambers round about of the treasuries of the house of God and of the treasuries of the dedicated things. These are the buildings in their rooms. He's like, I'm giving you all these details. Also for the courses, verse 13, of the priests. This is how they were supposed to serve in, these place, in this place. Also for the courses of the priests and the Levites and for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord and for all the vessels of the service in the house of the Lord. He gave of gold by weight for things of gold, for all instruments of all manner of service, silver also for all instruments of silver by weight, for all instruments of every kind of service, even the weight for the candlesticks of gold, for their lamps of gold, by weight for every candlestick and for the lamps thereof, and for the candlesticks of silver by weight, both for the candlesticks and also for the lamps thereof, according to the use of every candlestick. And by weight he gave gold for the tables of showbread, for every table 
and likewise silver for the tables of silver, and pure gold for the flesh shooks, and the bowls, and the cups, and for the golden basins he gave gold by weight for every basin, and likewise silver by weight for every basin of silver, and for the altar of incense refined gold by weight, and gold for the patterns of the chariots of the cherubims that spread out their wings, and over and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. It's interesting how David says, I'm committed in every area. He, it, it, it's like, I'm not just showing you the pattern. I'm given to everything that needs to be done in that. See, true commitment for us is to be involved. And I say this. That's why I, I look at myself and I say, my commitment is not perfected. Because true commitment for our ministry is to be involved in every aspect of what we do in the ministry. See, that is our goal. Our true, the true commitment is to be involved in every aspect of what we do at Church of the Living Water. And you know, the thing about it is this. You see other people and say, well, that brother or this sister, they do a lot. But you don't understand how God is dealing with them about their commitment. And that's where God is at. See, I, I, it's interesting how David said, and I did all this by the Spirit of God upon my... See, in writings, verse, verse uh, 19, And this, all this said David, the Lord made me understand in writings by His hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. It's interesting that God told David, time before, He said, you're not... Remember, remember His encounter with Nathan, the prophet. And Nathan told him, and I, and I believe that was a prophet, he told him, do, he goes, I see the Ark of the Covenant, I see that it's out there, and it's intense. And I'm dwelling in this house, in this palace. He said, and, and Nathan told him, do all that is in your house, because God, all that's in your heart, but God is, for God is with you. Because he wanted to build him a house. And then God told Nathan, you know, hey, you need to go back and tell David that he's not going to do that. So he went back and said, because it was in your heart, he said, that is a blessing. God's like, this is, you, your heart is towards me. And that is good. He said, but you're not going to build this house. And gave, David gives details of why. He said, because I've been a man of war. He said, I just cannot touch the house of God with my hands. He said, but your son after you, he's going to build this house. You know, David didn't stop there. After he told him that he was going to build his house. He said, he, he, this, he, in verse, verse 19 it says, made me understand in writings by his hand upon me. David went and inquired how to build a house. It's so interesting that he didn't say, well, I'm just going to build any house. He said, God made me known this. by." So he went back and searched out how to build a house for God. And God's house never changes. He went back to where? He went back to Moses. He said, this is the tabernacle and this is how they served and this is how we're going to serve our God. God's method doesn't change. But he wasn't lazy and said, hey, my son is going to build and he's going to build the way he wants to build. No, he went and inquired of how he was supposed to build. He went to set his affection. See, that's interesting. David is like, no, the God that I serve, he requires excellence. So it was in his heart and God says, search me out. And he searched them out. See, that's how we, com- we fulfill our commitment. The res- see, remember I told you? It's not just the responsibility of those that need to restore, but the res- those, that need, no, those that are restoring. But the one that needs to be restored, he has to be seeking his God. He has to be crying out to God. He has to be searching for his God. See, you don't stop doing what you're doing 
just because you fail in something. You have to search out your God. You have to continue seeking out your God. And we'll continue reading. Verse 29, chapter 29. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God had chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. But the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Once again, the significance of my commitment. This is God. This is for God, and this is why I do it, because it's for God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for the things to be made of gold, and the silver for the things of silver, and the brass for the things of brass, the iron for things of iron, the wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistening stones and of diver colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have my own proper good of gold, of silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Let's stop at verse 3. Two passages of Scripture, two statements that David made. He says, I have prepared with all my house, my might for the house of my God, and moreover, because I have set my affections to the house of my God. That setting your affections is interesting. I want you to write this definition down. Affections. In the Hebrew, is to be pleased with. Accept favorably. To be pleased with and accept favorably. To be pleased with. To accept favorably. Your affections is that which you find pleasure in. See, you may think my affections are just my feelings. No, your affections is where you find your pleasure. That which pleases you. That which you accept. That which you delight in. It speaks of having an attitude, a feeling, an attitude of fondness. And finding pleasure in an object. It's interesting that my affection is what brings me pleasure. And because you would think affection is just, it's just my feelings. No, it's what brings that which you delight in, that which you really brings you pleasure in life. And he said that must be set. See, it's so interesting that, uh, that we all have affections. We all have things that bring us pleasure. But with God, He expects to be the only pleasure. See, it's interesting because you may think, well, I could have a lot of things that bring me pleasure. But God expects to be the thing that pleases you, that you delight in. Remember the psalmist in King David, he, he wrote the Psalms. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. And we can go on for in the time of trouble you shall hide me in His pavilion. He goes on and continues. But he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. It says, it is so interesting that God never expects anything else to be your delight but Him. To be, to see, he says, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. See, he set some things. And see, that is key for us. When I tell you 
to judge and determine the significance of. So you have to determine, why am I doing this? Where, where is my commitment at? Why do I do what I do? It has to go beyond people. Your commitment has to go beyond people. It has to go beyond who you think you failed. And See, because at the very end, commitment is you only failed God. You only failed the Lord. And the thing about it is, He looks at you and says, but I knew you would fail me. I understood where you were at. I saw this coming even before you did it. But I chose you to do it. I cho- See, you're not here. If you look back at your life, and, and you, can look, you can be like Peter. Where else are you going to go? If you start looking at your life. Where else can I go? What can I do? That which God has planted in you, what, what else can you do but fulfill commitment? Because if you don't fulfill, if you don't accomplish what God wants you to do, how can you ever be victorious? My thought is, Lord, I want to accomplish what you've called me to do. Because I want to do that. I want to be pleasing in your sight. But going back to King, he's like, no, even when he tells you in the scriptures, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. He's like, no, I have to be first. See, because once he is first, and see, that's the thing about with, with Peter, God was still not first. Because even at, at, the, at the very end when he told him, when he looked at John who was following him as, as he pertains in chapter 21 of John, when he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, he said, but what about him? You know, he still was concerned about someone else and not his commitment. See, our concern is your own commitment. But your commitment goes beyond just you. But your concern is your commitment. Because whether you fulfilled your commitment or not, God is like, I expect you to be committed and go forward. See, to me, as we continue reading, because it also talks about the state and quality of being fond, that is having a liking or affection. See, what are you fond of in your Christian walk? Think about King David. King David's like, I have set. That word set means this, to direct with a fixed attention. I must direct it with a fixed attention. So, I must fix my attention of where it needs to be. And where it needs to be, King David said, it must be on the house of God. And because I have fixed my attention where my affections need to be, because your affections are going to be given to something. So, you must ask yourself, this is my question, okay, Lord, where have my affections been given to Where are my affections at? Because your affections, God says, they belong to me. I want your affection. I want your devotion. I want you to be fond of me. Because even at that, think about it. You you have affections towards your wife, towards your husband. You have affection towards other people. But him, if his affection is not where it needs to be, you don't even know how to love your wife. You don't even know how to love your husband. You don't even know how to love your brother and your sister. If your, your relationship is not right with God, you don't know how to do that. So why, why else would he expect him to be? Where, where, would he not expect your affection to be right there? Because he says, I show you how. He is love. 
Think about that. So we're like, how do you love? How can you properly love? That's the problem with people is that they don't know how to properly love because their love is not directed where it needs to be. So God is like, David is like, I have set my affection towards the house of God. I have done that. See, nobody can set your affection. Nobody can set your affection but you. You have to be the man. You have to be the woman that says, I have to set this. And then he says, to direct it with a fixed attention. That means that this is a constant work. Because somebody's always vying for your affection. Someone or something is always... I look at this. I look at it in this in my life. There's a lot of things that we... And this is for everybody. There's a lot of things that we can do. There's a bunch of things that we can do. But why are you here? Why do you come? If I look back at, all the way back to when I came to Church of the Living Water and I think it was uh, some in the 80's can't remember but when I came to Church of the Living Waters no it wasn't it was in 93 so when I came to Church of the Living Waters it was for purpose I wasn't about if, if it wasn't about purpose then I would have saw this congregation and said this is not for me that's what I would have said because I'm like this is not what I was expecting this is not what I was looking for because I wasn't. My thing is, you know, it is so interesting how it is so interesting. Like, think about it. This is, this is just the mindset of some people in America. They wouldn't have a problem with a white church or a, a congregation that was majority white because to me, that's probably what I was used to. You understand? That's, you come in there, but all of a sudden, you, you, I come to a place where the majority is African American and it had to be about purpose. Because this was way out of my comfort zone. You know, say so something that was like, no, I'm not, I'm not used to that. That's not what I was used That's not the way I was re- Even though I grew up on the side of a town where there was just African American and Hispanic. But I never thought that I would go and be a part of a majority African American congregation. It, because, and, and it's so interesting that the mindset of people, how it's like, there's no problem of, the, the, the congregation's Caucasian. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm not, but, but the thing about it is this. Purpose. It's like the tug that says, this is where I've called you. Did you hear what was said? Did you, did, did, can you understand what was said? Because my thing was this. Was excited about what I heard. Even though I can't tell you what I heard that day, I was excited about what I heard. And the only thing that kept me was purpose because my pastor was not something that someone that I could just hey easily follow not easily follow because and I'm not talking about his character I'm not talking about his teaching I'm talking about no this is the way it was going to be and you have to follow this way do you understand so it was like no my goodness you know this is not what I'm used to you know I'm used to somebody telling me you know, this is thus saith the Lord, God is this and God is going to do this. And it's like, I ain't telling you nothing. I'm going to let you, if you don't know yourself, you're not, you're not going to hear it from me. You know, so it was all about being trained to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to follow a man. So in your commitment, you must not stop following Him. Not the man. Not the people. 
even though the people are apart. Remember I told you that the goal is to lay down your life for King Jesus. Not to lay down your life. And, and the goal. When I said the goal. Not the process. Because in the process you're going to lay down your life for one another. Do you understand? So the goal is to lay down your life for King Jesus. You can never stop keeping your eye on says, Did I please you? Not necessarily... Because pleasing Him, you're going to know how to please your, your brother. And what I mean by you're going to know how to minister to your brother and sister. But the goal is not to be accepted by people. That's not the goal. The goal is not to be accepted by Pastor Alva Hill. The goal is not to be accepted by Church of the Living Water. The goal is to please Jesus Christ. And in that process, there's correction. In that process... There is, a, there, there is authority that's set and says, no, I have to be accountable. I missed it. You have to learn to say, okay, what do I have to do? And submit to whatever they tell you to do. That's just the way it is. The goal is the goal. When somebody misses the goal, they've missed the goal. So they missed Christ Jesus. They didn't miss. See, don't take it personal. Well, I'm against you. No, that's crazy. You know, if you don't... It's like all of a sudden somebody misses something and then they're your enemy. Because you just didn't keep the standard. You're, you know, I, I want nothing to do with you. I don't want to talk to you. You know, you're, you know, uh, you, you're, not, you're not committed to the things of God. No, it's not that. It's about missing Christ Jesus. Missing the mark. And it's Him that you have to please. It's Him that you have to go. You can't stop that. Think about, we think about the prophet. Don't you think, you know, if you look at it, and I, I, I look at uh, Elijah and Elisha. I love Elijah and Elisha because I think it's a great picture of who we are in ministry. The, the, the prophet Elijah and how, the, and how he, he was. Even in Malachi where it talks about before the great, in, uh, the great day of the Lord. How he's going to send the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to the fathers. I believe that's us. I believe that we are prepared. We're preparing not just, we're not in, just in the, the, let's say, the life of, uh, of the example of Elijah. But passing it on to Elisha. So that he can, and we're passing it on to people that are going to be committed to Jesus Christ, to the purpose of God. So when you look at them, the greatest thing is that Elisha didn't quit because he. And I look back, and I and I made mention this in family life as it pertains to leaving and cleaving, and I made mention as how you left the thing. I look back at Elisha's life. And how when God called him, the Bible says that he was plowing with many yokes of oxen. So it, it, it talks about that he had a life probably of prosperity, that he came from a family of prosperity. But he said this, it's interesting, that he says, let me go back and kiss my father and mother and then I'll come and follow you. And it's interesting how he said, what have I done to don't... And it, it's interesting how, how it makes mention, because don't forget who's calling you. Elisha knew who was, call, who was calling him. And the Bible says that he went and he burned those instruments and he gave to his family and he left. He, and and I, I like it because to me that shows how he was going to continue to stay with the purpose of God. 
Think about your life. And I look at it this way. I left friends. I left family members to be a part of Church of the Living Water. I left what I was accustomed to. I left certain things. And I'm like, no, nobody can tell me that I wasn't committed to Jesus. So to me, when I look back at my life, that should be the determining factor to stay committed to Jesus Christ. Because how I left, is all that in vain? Think about everything that you left to walk for Jesus. Because if you think about it, if you didn't leave something to walk for Jesus, then you're not walking with Jesus. Because there was relationships that I left to walk with Jesus. There was people and opportunities that I had to be involved with people to walk with Jesus. There was decisions that had to be made that I got counsel from people and I didn't make those decisions to walk with Jesus. So I look back at all of that and it has to be a determining factor of will I stay with God? Because I think that's what God sees at the very beginning. Will you sacrifice for me? And if you See, think about it. Think about Peter. Why did he... Con- he, he knew Peter already from the very beginning. He knew what Peter was going to do. He is the Lord. He knew those things. But Peter could have walked away. You know, Judas had an opportunity. Judas, and he called him friend. He had an opportunity. Don't you think that Judas... But God knew. This is, has been determined. He's the son of perdition. You know, because he knew his heart. Think about Jacob and Esau. Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Why? Because I know Jacob's heart. I knew Jacob was going to... I knew he was going to... Regardless of where he was at in his commitment, regardless of what he did, regardless of all the foolishness he was involved in, I know him. And God knows you. So I look back at Elisha and I, I believe he... Like, Elijah's like, no, I'm committed. I was committed back then and why should I stop now? That's why when everybody approached him and said, don't you know that your master is going to be taken away from your head today? He goes, just hold your peace. He said, all I know is that I'm following the one I'm supposed to follow. And he continued. He goes, he goes you know, and I, I forgot the wording, but it's like, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. He said, do not entreat. It's like Ruth. Ruth's like, don't entreat me. Don't entreat me to keep you from, follow, from following after thee. He said, I'm going to follow hard after you. So, it, it, I, that's why I, I marvel at these. It's not just something that they made up their mind to do right there. It's something that was in them before. Because she was in this family for around ten years or more. So, there were some things that she grabbed a hold of. There were some things that she experienced. There were some things that she understood. And she says, I am in love with this Lord. And I'm not going to let him go. And just because this happened in my life, this failure, this disappointment, whatever it may be, I am going to follow after you. Ruth is awesome to me. Because Ruth even is like, you know, I am going to go out to this and I'm going to find favor. She understood something about the covenant of God. She understood something about these people. You know, you see these movies that they 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 they, they mistreat. They wanted, you know, they saw that she was a uh, a Moabite, and and like, man, these are just movies. That's nothing that the scripture says about her them rejecting her in that fashion or what she was involved in, because she could have been involved in all of that. But thing is, is that she was a believer. She believed. She trusted, and she kept on going. She would not stop. 
and think and, and look at and look at the end result of that. The end result of that was a was a child born in a child born in the bloodline of Christ. A child that became a king. First a grandfather, a great grandfather, and then a, a grandfather, and then a son, and then a son that became a king, and then a king that gave birth to someone that would build his house. All of this is just domino effect to somebody that was committed to God. But the thing about it, all of them had disappointments. All of them had failures. All of them missed God in some way, form, or fashion, but they would not stop. So that would be the question for us, is this, will I make myself accessible to be the person that I need to be in my commitment? Will I stop in my commitment? Because remember, the very end of the day, it doesn't matter who and who or who was not for you when King Jesus says, I'm for you. I understand and I know. So what are you going to do? Are you going to keep on going or are you going to stop? And God is like, I already know you're going to keep on going. Because if you look at this, we have who we have. We know each other. We do. There's some things that we know about. There's some things. You have seen victories and you have seen failures. And every one of us. If we can talk about it, we'll talk about our victories, we talk about our failures, but do you want your brother to succeed? Do you want your brother to make it? Do you want your brother to go forward? And that all depends on you going forward. It really does. Because in this ministry, and we've talked about it, as we've talked about kindness, we talked about the people that we need to be to be the restorers of our generation. But what about the areas that you need to be restored in? The areas that you lacked. The areas that you said, you know, God... I'm crying out to you and I'm continuing to cry out to you and I want you and I desire you, but this is hindering me. All of those areas God is concerned with and God is on your side. But if you look by your, beside you, that's the brother. That's the sister that depends on you. And you look at me and I look at you and I said, I depend on you. So, it's all about not quitting and, and that's where we're at. But once again, as we go back, you're only here because you didn't quit. That's why you're here. You know, regardless of your age, because I'm going to be honest with you, we in here have been here for some time. And when you look at that, you're saying, you know what, this is family. This is, you know, and, and the thing about it is, what God is going to do in us, what God has already done in what God has already worked in us, that doesn't stop. That's a continual process. And at the very end, we want to be like Peter. We want to be like Peter. It's like, I've poured out my life like a drink off. But we have that example. As you look at your pastor, he's like, I've poured out my life like a drink offering. As you look at your pastor's wife, who is now our pastor, she has poured out her life. And she says this, I'm going to continue pouring my life. I'm going to finish this assignment. I'm going to pour out my life. I'm going to give you everything that I have. 
So we have the examples. We just cannot quit. And that's my encouraging word to you, my brothers and sisters. You can stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.